And I look at the title of the message this morning and I see that it says, Suffering That Purifies. And I wonder, what does that look like for us? 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Peter says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you can participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overflowed, overjoyed when the glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be It should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that that you bear his name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, then what's the outcome will be, what will the outcome be for those who don't obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Father, show us what these words might mean for us today. Amen. You know, the book of First Peter is, is, a, is an incredibly rich book, and we've been, we've been traveling through this book, and Peter, as you are learning, talks much about suffering. Now, the suffering that Peter is talking about in this book is, is suffering a persecution, a church that is being severely persecuted. And this letter is to encourage them through this suffering. But I believe that the book of 1 Peter also applies to the types of suffering that, that Steve and Jolene are experiencing, the types of suffering that, that we go through on a daily basis that, that aren't necessarily because of our faith, but because of life circumstances. And so we can learn a lot from, from Peter. And a lot about suffering and, and how God uses suffering to glorify himself. You know, February 15th of 2015, the world began to see these horrifying images of, of 21 young Egyptian men being, being paraded in front of the world to see in orange jumpsuits. In the days and weeks leading up to their deaths, ISIS had been torturing them and attempting to persuade them to to deny Christ and, and in return for denying Christ that they would live. But they all refused to deny Christ and they all died on that beach that day singing songs of Jesus. One of the captors, one, one of the, 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 the men that was beheaded, 
It says, wasn't a believer when he was captured, but throughout the time of of torture, he was continually asked to reject Christ, to, to deny Christ. And the terrorists continued to question him, asking him if he would deny Christ. But seeing his fellow prisoners slain with Jesus' name on their lips, his reply to his captors was, their God is my God. And he died for proclaiming Christ in front of them. The families that of these young men were, were heard saying that they rejoiced that these martyrs were now safely at home with Jesus. And their only request was that, that they would stay strong in their faith if the same thing would happen to them. One mother of one of the martyrs said, I thank God that my son kept the faith and died for the cross because he was the son of Christ from birth, not my son. You know, the text this morning reminds us of this, these, these powerful truths about suffering, that, that suffering develops our character and, and draws us closer to God and leads us to self-examinations and, and teaches us ultimately to trust God. But Peter begins by saying, look, dear friends, don't be surprised by this suffering. You know, suffering is a part of the Christian life. Suffering is painful, and yet, Peter says, my dear friends, don't don't be surprised by this suffering. Now, those words, dear friends, in that context, what Peter is saying is, those of you who are deeply loved... Those of you who are deeply loved by God, don't be surprised. Peter wants you to know your identity. He wants these readers of this letter to remember their identity. Don't be surprised. You are deeply loved by God. And remember, back in in the chapter 1 of 1 Peter, Peter reminds us of our identity, of who we are in Christ. And he wants us to understand that God deeply loves us. But don't be surprised when you suffer as Christians. And that's, that's a hard connection for us to make, to not suffer. And we're always surprised when suffering comes our way, when trials come our way. We don't think we deserve to suffer. But Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 3, it says, We rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love 
into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he gave us. You see, suffering, Peter says, and Paul says in Romans, it makes us stronger. It, it, we should rejoice because it produces in us godliness. So suffering, Peter says, it's going to build character in you. But sometimes we get tired of character building. But he says you should never be surprised by it. Chuck Swindoll says that if we view life as a class, as a schoolroom, and God as an instructor, it should come to no surprise to us when we encounter pop-up quizzes and periodic exams. Maturity in the Christian life is measured by our ability to withstand the tests that come our way without having it shake the foundation of our faith. It is in the hardest of times that our character is developed. It is in the hardest of time that, that our faith grows the most. Because it builds character. And Peter says suffering also, not only does it build character in us, but, but suffering draws us closer in relationship with our, with our Heavenly Father. He says rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ. Be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You know, the people of the world hate the name of Christ. You know, to, 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 to know God and to talk about God is one thing, but, but when you begin to talk about Christ and the relationship that you have with Christ is when the world begins to hate us because the world hates Christ. As long as we, we don't speak of Christ and our relationship with Him, the world will leave us alone. If we renounce Christ the world will leave us alone. If those 21 captors had renounced Christ, they would have lived. But the world hates Christ. But Peter says, rejoice that you can participate in his suffering. Now that word participate is the same word as the word fellowship. Now, when we hear the word fellowship, we think fellowship meal, we think like lots of fun, we think party, we think food, we think all of these good things, but, but when we hear the word fellowship, we never think suffering, but that's what Peter is talking about here. Partici rejoice when you can participate in the sufferings. Rejoice when you have fellowship with the suffering of Christ. See, suffering draws us closer. You know, when I have a relationship with God, when I begin to read His Word and study it and I worship with other believers and, and, and I serve Him, I begin to be drawn closer to God. And that relationship gets richer and richer. But Peter knows that, that when we suffer, it brings us together. It makes us one with Christ because now we experience what he experienced. And it's in times of suffering that we press into Jesus. 
It is in, in the hardest times of suffering when, when he feels the closest. And so Peter understands that, that suffering is going to unite us with Christ. It's going to bring us together. It's going to make us better. It's going to make our relationship with him much, much richer. And it's in this time of suffering, even for, for, for Steve and Jolene, that, that they will depend upon God. They will press in to a holy God. You know, there's this saying that says, you, don't, you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all that you have. And when you, when, you are, when you are faced with the words brain cancer, all of a sudden, Jesus becomes all that you have and you must press in to him. And God intends that, 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 our, that the hard times that we go through will draw us closer to him. So suffering develops character, and suffering draws us closer to God. But then Peter says, suffering also causes us to do self-examination. He says in verse 15, if you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal, or even a meddler. If we suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Now, sometimes we bring trouble on ourselves. Sometimes because of poor choices that we make, we suffer. And so what Peter says here, and it's interesting, he gives us these four categories. He says that murderers, thieves, and criminals. Look, if you are a murderer, a thief, or a criminal, uh, then you shouldn't be surprised by suffering, by bearing the consequences of your decisions. But then he throws in this word meddler. If you're a meddler, don't complain. Well, well, what is a meddler? Well, a meddler is one who gets involved in the affairs of others when he has no business being there. It's a gossip. It's someone that goes around and is in everybody else's business and is telling everybody about your business. They're meddlers. And, and, and Peter says, look, you're just like a murderer or a thief. Because you are assassinating people's characters. He says, don't do it or you will suffer. But don't make that be the type of suffering that you experience. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, then, then, then don't be ashamed. If you're going to suffer, suffer as a follower of Christ. Suffer as someone who proclaims Jesus. And I wonder if Peter, when he, when he wrote this letter, when he began to pen these words about not being ashamed, I wonder if it took Peter back to a day 
years earlier on a, on a dark evening night when he was following Jesus through, through the streets of Jerusalem, watching him be beaten, watching him be tried. And as he was sitting by a campfire warming his body, a young girl said, aren't you one of the disciples? To which Peter responded, I don't know what you're talking about. And Luke says that just as Peter said that, the rooster crowed, Jesus turns and looks at Peter, and Peter remembers Jesus' words, that he would deny him three times. That he would, that word actually means, ashamed actually means to dishonor. I think Peter might have remembered that moment when he dishonored his Savior. And he said, don't do it. Don't dishonor Jesus. Don't be ashamed. How often are we ashamed of our faith? How often do we not proclaim our faith or live out our faith because we're ashamed? Because of something we fear. Because of what we fear someone may say. Peter says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Peter knew what that sense of shame was. He says, don't, don't do it. So suffering causes self-examination. And lastly, suffering teaches us to trust Christ, to trust God. You see, when, when, when trouble comes, and it's going to come to all of us sooner or later, you know, one of the things that Steve told me this morning, he said, you know, this always happens to somebody else. It's other people that get brain cancer. It's other people whose spouse dies. It's other people. But one day, it will be us. Because we all, we all will endure hardship at some point in our lives. A hardship that there's nothing we can do about. We can't just make it go away. We can't put enough money towards this. It just is there. But Peter says there is something we can do when we face those hard times, those times when we suffer as followers of Christ. He says, so those of you who suffer according to God's will, that'll make you uncomfortable should commit yourselves, should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So in the midst of troubles, Peter says, commit yourself to the faithful creator. Commit yourself to a holy God that you can trust. That word commit means to make a deposit. 
to invest. And am I willing to say, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. Lord, I will do whatever you want. I will go wherever. I will do whatever. However you desire. Have you ever laid yourself on the altar? Have you ever got on your knees before God and said, God, I am yours. If you want me to have brain cancer, then so be it. If you want me to suffer persecution, then so be it. But God, I just want you to know that I am yours. I ultimately want to glorify you. And you say, God, I'm yours. And I understand that that could be hard. But have you ever done that? Now some of you may find yourselves in a place of of enormous personal difficulty and and it seems like life is beginning to just just to crumble around you and it's in those moments that that is important that we commit ourselves to God and we say God my faithful creator I trust you I trust you with my life I trust that you who love me more than anyone else, you who love me enough to send your son to die for my sins, I trust you to take care of me. How many of us are willing to, rather than trying to figure out the problem, to try to solve our own problems and to just buck up and take care of ourselves, are willing to say, Lord, I can't do it. You know, I admit that without you, I will never, ever be able to walk this journey. Lord, may you do with my life what you desire, what will bring you the most glory. That's easy to say when things are going well. But, you know, as I look at Steve and Jolene and... and, and some of you in, in other situations. It's a little harder to do. But I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Because the only way that we will ever, ever be able to walk through these sufferings, these trials, these, these hard things that, that God allows to come our way 
is to fix our eyes on the cross. To fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and protector of our faith. And Hebrews chapter 12, in closing, I like to read this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Brothers and sisters, all of our races look a little different. The course is a little different for every one of us. But he says, let us run this race that has been set before us. He says, this is the way we do it. You fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How will Stephen and Jolene survive? To fix their eyes on the cross. To fix their eyes on Jesus. How does Stan Amstutz survive in a, in a wheelchair and Mary Kay Nunswander in a wheelchair? They fix their eyes on Jesus. And when we fix our eyes on him, he will empower, he will strengthen, he will give us the courage that we need to walk the journey that has been marked out for us. Let us run that race with our eyes fixed on the cross. Let's pray. Father, for all of us, the race of life looks different. Lord, for some it means battling cancer. For some it means life in a wheelchair. For some it, um, it means um, giving their lives for the cause of Christ. For those 21 young men in, in Egypt in 2015, It meant giving their lives. Father, may we have the the song of Jesus, the sweet song of Jesus on our lips, and may we keep our eyes focused on the cross. Keep our eyes on Jesus for our strength. And Father, may we glorify you in that journey. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.